Okay, welcome everyone to another um, ACRO Resident Committee podcast. My name is Nima Razavion. I'm a PGY4 and chair of the ACRO Resident Committee. Um, I'm joined by two of our resident members today, and we're going to be talking about a topic that I think is going to be very interesting to our medical student colleagues that are going into radiation oncology. Today we're going to be talking about the match, the match process, making a rank list, um, and so I'm really happy to be here um, with two people, Alexis, who's our vice chair, and Cyrus, um, who's one of our committee members. So um, Alexis, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm Alexis Schutz. I'm a PGY4 at the University of Oklahoma. And like Nima said, I'm the vice chairman of the resident committee, and I'm also the SBC chairman. Great. Cyrus? Hey, hello, everyone. I'm happy to be here. I'm Cyrus Washington. I'm a PGY3. Uh, resident at the University of Miami. And as Nima said, and Alexis, I'm a part of that um, committee um, as, as for mentorship, for I'm sorry, for mentorship. Yeah, so well, thanks Alexis and Cyrus for joining me. Um, you know, it's been a little bit since I've matched, but I think, you know, the general principles of the match apply um, from, you know, when I did it. I think, you know, we maybe should take a step back uh, before we get into rank lists. And I know a lot of you at this point are probably still interviewing or wrapping up interviews. So kind of a question that um, comes in that post-interview period is, you know, about post-interview communication. Should I do it? Should I not? Um, you know, Cyrus, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's important to, you know, I think every program is different and you will um, get the sentiment of the program uh, about how they feel um, about post you know, interview communication. And so usually it'll be like a snip, like a snippet towards the end where either the chair or the program director will say, you know, hey, you know, we had a great time. Um, you know, as far as post interview communication goes, you know, we encourage it, you know, we don't look at it. Um, it's not something that, you know, we take into account if you wanted to do it, you know, you'll kind of get that feel towards, um, you know, while you're going along with the interview. And my advice would be to just listen to whatever the program says. If they, you know, explicitly say don't communicate with us, you know, a lot of programs, they, they try to abide by like ACGME rules and, you know, they, they're, you know, very strict when it comes to that. Um, and so if they say, you know, don't interview, don't, don't send us any communication, I would listen. Other programs, you know, they tend to be a bit more lenient with it. And they're saying, you know, if you want to send a thank you note, that's fine. Um, you know, if you wanted to, you know, let us know how you felt, that's fine as well. But like I said before, you'll get that feeling during the interview day on what's right and what you shouldn't do. Yeah, I think the, like the technical rule, at least from the, the NRMP is that um, the programs are not supposed to communicate with the applicants, right? Um, and I totally agree with what Cyrus says, like really listen to what the program says. A lot of them are pretty explicit about like, you know, the communication. Some of them will like be say, please do not communicate with us at all. Others will say like, oh, if you have other questions, feel free to email like a resident or something like that. But definitely follow what the program has to say. You don't want to be the person that's you know, they've told you explicitly don't do it and then you go ahead and do it because then it looks like you don't listen. <laughs> okay, so now that we've kind of addressed that topic, I think we should go on and discuss um, just some basics about the match and how it works. I'm not gonna get into all the details with this. You know, there's a lot of YouTube videos dedicated to explaining the algorithm to you and, you know, et cetera. But I think the basic um, principles 
that you just need to remember are really the, the algorithm takes the preferences of the, of the applicant first. Um, and so in general, it does try to match you to your highest rank position. Um, and then, you know, for those of you who, if you haven't gone into the NRMP system at this time, essentially the way that it works is that, you know, for your um, radiation oncology match, that's, you know, an advanced specialty. Um, and so you'll make your rank list for all of those, you know, it'll be ordered like one through 15, one through whatever the number. And then for each of those RADOC positions, you'll be able to rank like prelim and TY positions. And for each of those prelim TY positions, they can be different rankings depending on the RADOC program, right? So that makes sense. Let's say, you know, one of your programs is in Texas, the other one's in California. If you're trying to do your prelim or TY close to those programs, you might want to make your, you know, TY prelim list different uh, for each of those. So for every RADOC program, you'll have kind of like a sub list of TY and prelims, and you can kind of change that uh, with every uh, RADOC program that you apply to. Curious, yes. um, Cyrus and Alexis, you know, when you used the, the ranking system, do you, do you remember, like, did you find it pretty difficult to do, pretty straightforward? Initially, it was daunting because I, I know that I don't, I don't feel like it's clearly outlined like on like how to do it prior to your prior to being like in the process of everything. So I was very, very nervous about it. But once you get on the platform and you start ranking your programs, it's very easy. Like you'll see a section where it's like, oh, you know, rank your categorical positions and that'll be your your radiation oncology um, list. And then there's another list that you can kind of rank, you know, TY um, and your prelim positions as well. And however that algorithm works, you know, as I think Nima said before, you know, they take the um, applicant's preferences into account first, and then um, it kind of just works out the way it does. Additionally, I, I will say that something I wish I, I knew going into the interview season was that you can actually contact a lot of the radiation oncology programs and say if they have a joint internal medicine or TY year with them or if um, you know, they can maybe set up an interview for, with you. If they don't, they can probably set up an interview um, for you with the prelim program that you're interested in at that institution. And it's super, super, it's a lot easier um, than I thought um, it would be. So if you, you know, like Nima said before, like if you're interested in a program, um, you know, contacting them and then speaking with them and then maybe even letting them know like, hey, like I would like to interview maybe for like a prelim position there. Is that something that I can do while I'm there as well? And you can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I had that experience as well. A lot of them, um, if they have a TY at their, their place, sometimes they'll either bundle the TY interview with your RADOC interview. Some places, like for some prelim spots, they won't even have you interview. They'll, the internal medicine program will be like, we know you're a RADOC applicant you're really good, just feel free to rank us. And some programs will even, sometimes like you can only rank them, like you can only rank that prelim if you're ranking that um, RADONC spot at that institution. Other times they'll say, you can just rank us regardless. Um, so usually the, the programs will give you that information. If you don't already have it, definitely reach out and see if there's uh, any opportunities like that. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I think the next big question that, you know, we as residents always get asked by medical students is, you know, how do I make my rank list? So what are your guys' thoughts? So 
I think this is an internal struggle that everyone deals with. And I have a couple tidbits of advice for it. Just, you know, like Nima said, we've all been through it. Um, and I think we, we talked about this in our first interview, but really just being genuine and true to yourself. So everyone is going to have a different priority list, you know, and I think you really have to sit down and think about what are my priorities for residency? What is my number one, you know, factor that I'm using into deciding where I want to go. And you never are going to be able to exactly choose where you want to go. Some of us, you know, are lucky and get to go to their number one spot. Others, you know, it's just the way it works. So thinking about what's important to you, is it location? Is it certain training? You know, do they have certain types of training that you want? Um, But really that's going to be different for every person. And so really being true to yourself and thinking about how do I make my ring list? How do I put these in an order that's going to be best for me? And that's going to be different for every single person. So advice is to have some me time, really think about it. And then, you know, maybe go to an advisor or a close friend or, you know, your best friend in med school and sit down with them and say like, this is what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? Um, but I wouldn't really change, uh, your list based on someone else's advice. I think you've got to go with, with, you know, what you feel. My other little bit of advice is open up the NRMP website before the due date, um, and put your choices in and absolutely solidify and press like the submit button at least a couple days before. Um, cause I know some people that like went in and put it in and then went in and changed it. So like, once you have decided, go and put it in and submit it. Um, because what happened, I know some people that forgot and they didn't, they couldn't remember like what order they put because they were changing it back and forth. So definitely go in and submit it at least a day or two beforehand so that you can, you know, feel like you're done with the process. Yeah, I think that's super critical is entering your match list, your rank list early. Um, and not waiting until the last minute. I think another piece of advice I've always heard is to really avoid like last minute changes. So like changing things like, you know, six hours before, you know, the thing is due. Cause you know, sometimes those are more like reactionary decisions and they're not maybe as thought out as your initial list was. Um, and, in, and in terms of what Alexis says about, you know, making a list, I, I definitely agree with her. You know, really, there's no wrong way to make your rank list, right? So for some people, it's a gut decision. Like, I just feel this program would be better for me than this program. Um, other people, like I was the kind of person that I, you know, during the interview process, tried to take notes on the programs. And then at the end, I kind of had my little notes and organized programs based on, you know, like what I had written down about them. Um, I've heard of people using like a point system, like, you know, location is given a certain number of points, technology is given a certain number of points, research time is given a certain number of points. Um, So that's another way to do it. Um, So yeah, again, there's no, you know, really right or wrong way. Um, And then in terms of, you know, talking about talking about it with others, you know, I think that can be helpful if you're on the fence about things. I know in my experience, you know, I reviewed my list with my you know, home program advisor. Um, and I think the benefit was it didn't necessarily change like the top programs on my list, but when it came to some of the lower down ones, it was helpful to, you know, kind of verbalize, you know, why I was picking one program or, or the other. And then they came back to me and they said, well, you know, you said you were, you know, preferencing these things. And then, you know, you said that these programs don't have that. So why did you rank them, you know, here instead of there? And that was, you know, really helpful to me. 
um, was to be able to have someone, you know, listen to what I was saying and what I was prioritizing and then, you know, help me find, you know, the, the, the spots where maybe I didn't actually listen to myself. Uh, so I thought that was useful. Also, I think it's important to have like non-negotiables where it's like, okay, I knew, like you said before, Nima, I was one of those ones that I had a point system. Um, and so location, um, you know, technology, and I had another like category that said the feels, which was kind of just like how I felt when I was there. And, um, but kind of just to continue along that idea, like, I think it's super, super important to listen to the residents and and understand like i think the residents say a lot about the program like if you are interviewing at a place and you feel like you know you know maybe i'm not jiving with this group as much as you know i did with another place um you know i'm not getting a feel that the residents are happy um you know it's very you know important to be in tune with what you're feeling from the residents because um not to say that the you know leadership and the program director are going to you know lead you to array or tell you like a lie but i think it's important to understand like the the kind of like the priorities of what each um interview is so when you have your interview or like your interaction with the residents they're really just there to kind of get a feel about you see how you are see if you jack with the program um and that's pretty much it and then when you are speaking with like the leadership you know they're interested in in, in getting the best applicants and, and really like teasing out those numbers and teasing out you know a person or you know whoever they feel like is very very strong for the program so like i said before just really don't don't blow off the resident part. Like whatever you feel from that part is super important. And I think that that's very, very important. And also like, as far as the non-negotiables part, like stick to that. Whatever you feel is something that is very, very important to you. You don't want to have any regrets later on um, if you happen to, you know, match the institution, institution that had something or doesn't have something that you felt like was very important for you. Yeah, I think Cyrus, you highlight something that I think is important and I'm just going to call it the vibe test, right? You know, every program has a different vibe to it. And I think, you know, talking with the residents actually gives you a sense of like what that vibe is. Um, and for me, at least that was very informative um, in helping me decide, you know, my rank list. And, you know, for me, that was one of my priorities was finding a program that I felt like, you know, the residents had a good interaction with each other and it seemed like they were supported by the faculty. Um, so that definitely, you know, in talking with the residents, seeing the residents that, help me with my, you know, vibe test on each program. It's important. I have something else kind of to add in that same light. Um, med school, you're always with like all of your friends. And I think it's a really hard transition to residency because everyone's going to move away and you're going to be in a new city. And the reality is like when you're in residency, you're spending more time with your co-residents than you are at home. So it is so important to choose an environment where you're going to be happy. And so I think taking that into account, like four years of your life is a really long time. It's usually like the end of your twenties um, and choosing somewhere where you're going to be happy because you're going to get, you're going to be trained regardless. You're going to become a radiation oncologist regardless. Um, the name of the program, you know, could benefit you in the future, but really what's going to benefit you the most is having a strong support system and being able to get through those four years and be happy and you know, have a great training rather than to be miserable just for a name. Yeah. And what would Cyrus and Alexis, what would be your advice to someone who, let's say they've maybe made their initial rank list and, you know, sometimes you've 
categorize some programs that are higher, some that are lower, but maybe they're on the fence about some things. Like what opportunities or things should maybe people look for to maybe guide them or give them more information? Maybe speaking to alumni. Um, sometimes I, I know that the alumni, you know, where they end up or like what they're, sometimes if they're not like already like a faculty at the institution, you know, maybe they've gone to private practice or like another institution. Um, I'm not sure if reaching out to them would be like too difficult, but I know that I wouldn't mind, you know, reaching out to alumni members and saying, hey, like I'm interested in this program. I, you know, I saw that you were an alumni, um, you know. Or just the current residents. Like I would yeah. reach out to like a PGY4 or PGY5. They're not going to be there when you start. Um, and they're going to be honest. And I mean, we, Cyrus, me, Nima, we all like know each other. So we know the different programs. So getting like a completely, you know, neutral opinion from a resident could be a really good, you know, option there. And all of us are really up for answering any questions. I mean, if it's between this program or this program, we could probably have insight. I mean, you could reach out to us too. Um, yeah. And obviously we know more about our programs, but we, it's a small field and everyone knows everyone. So um, I think, you know, just asking a current resident is, is a great option too. Yeah. And I think another thing that's kind of emerging in radiation oncology, we didn't really see this before when we were doing in-person interviews um, was second look opportunities. I know this is pretty popular in other uh, fields of medicine. Um, you know, at least when I was applying, it wasn't really a thing people did. Uh, but in the, in the more recent um, time, you know, with COVID and moving to virtual interviews, this is something I have uh, seen programs doing more. Um, so that would be an opportunity if a program offers that and you're on the fence of, about it. You know, going for a second look uh, may actually be helpful, helpful for you to make that decision. Um, I don't think they're, you know, required by any means or you don't, like, you never have to go to these things. And I would just encourage it only if you felt like, you know, it would help you make that decision. I have a little bit of a different outlook there. I would encourage to go to the second look, like regardless to your top two programs, if you can, I think seeing in person is just so important. And I know it sucks. You're med students, you're broke, you have no money and like spending money on a flight in a hotel seems like the worst thing in the world right now. But I think it could be really beneficial to see the program in person, like meet the residents, meet the people you're going to be working with. If you have the opportunity, I would say do it. Um, and I know that we are compiling a list of like the, which programs have se second looks and some even have like uh, scholarships and opportunities where they'll help pay for some of it. Uh, but I would say go, like if, if it's an option and if you have a top two or top three that you're kind of wavering in between, go see them, go meet the people. And I think that would give you more clarity for ranking too. Totally agree. Okay, and so kind of in a similar vein about making that rank list, another question that always comes up is, how many programs should I rank? What do you guys think? In the times where we had to go to each program and get on planes, my perspective was if I spent this amount of money to, you know, for a hotel, plane, lodge, all of that, I'm ranking, I'm ranking. There's no reason why I shouldn't rank them. Um, and I, I had a, a good amount. I think I interviewed at like 17 maybe, and I ranked everyone because it was just like, I, like I said before, like there's no reason for me not to 
and you also never know, right? Like, you know, percentages out, you know, outcomes, they all have these, you know, these statistics, but you just want to be safe. And I think the safest way to ensure your spot in the match is just to rank every program that you've gone to. That's my opinion. Um, some people might say, you know, oh, well, I, I can't see myself here, but I also couldn't see myself without a job. So <laughs> having a job was a bit more important and matching was a bit more important for me. So I ranked every program that I interviewed at. So I say kind of like the opposite, Cyrus, but like only rank programs where you can see yourself. I'm a, like really big on physician wellness and, you know, being happy where you are. If you interview at a program and you were like, holy crap, no way. And it could be like geography. It could be like, I hate being cold and I'm going to be absolutely miserable and in the worst minute of my life if I wake up and it's negative two degrees every day. Um, and just that smallest thing, don't rank it right now with like Radonk. Um, I think this year the applications are low again. You probably have a better chance soaping into a program that you'll be happier in if, if there's, you know, a couple that you don't love. Now I'm not saying like only rank a couple, like I would say like of the places you interview, if there's like a complete red flag and it's just a red flag for you, then I would not rank that one. Um, but I think what we talked about Nima is like ranking like 10. Like I think if you put 10 on your rank list, you should be okay. Um, obviously it's different based on, on your background and in your application. But um, I would say like, if, if you put something on your rank list, you have to be totally okay with living there for four years because it is a possibility. If it is on your rank list, that you end up there. So if, if you are like, absolutely no, I don't want to live here, then don't put it on your rank list. That, that's kind of my tidbit there. So I have a, a sorry, I have a rebuttal to that. So my question is, do you think it's, that's, that's a very risky thing. I mean, I know that in the, you know, playing field, in the field that we're, you know, where we are now with applications being lower than normal, um, I still don't know if it's worth going through like soap and then even in that, that's not a guarantee, right? Like you're not guaranteed a spot in soap. Like, let's be honest about that as well. Um, and even if you do get a spot, like it's not to say that it's better than, um, you know, what, where you interviewed at and where you said, you know, I don't like it. At least with the, um, you know, ranking the programs that you interviewed at, at least you kind of have an idea. I feel like with soap, it's kind of just like, hey, we're here. This is quick interaction. It's like speed dating, right? from what I've heard, like, it's like speed dating. And it's like, I don't know if you get a better sense of a program during the soap process versus, um, you know, going through the, you know, regular match and then, you know, saying, well, I just didn't like this and I, I don't want to rank this program. So I'm, I'm a bit, of, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard, it's super hard. I yeah. don't know. I, I, with soap in it, that, that definitely like complicates things because then you could end up anywhere. Yeah. But I would just say, like, I mean, if you have 15 programs, you know, and you think that one of them was just like a complete, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I could do this. I think ranking 14 is fine. If you only have two, I mean, I wouldn't only rank one, you know, but I don't know. I just I think if there's a place where there's no way in heck that you could end up there, then I wouldn't I wouldn't rank it. Yeah, I think I would uh, kind of take the middle approach between what Cyrus and Alexis are saying. You know, I think the kind of old school advice, like if you were to go to your dean, um, they would tell you, right, like rank every program because the dean wants to see their students match. Um, so that's kind of the dean's advice, rank every program. Um, you know, my thought would be like, you know, ideally you should try to rank as many as possible. 
yes, the, you know, the match is very much in the applicant's favor now compared to where it was maybe five years ago, where, you know, you really did have to rank every program in order to match. You know, I think now you don't necessarily have to rank everyone, but I think if you're going to do that, you know, you need to be prepared to soak. Okay. You know, most people, they get into their top, you know, one of one to three programs, but there is a possibility, right? If you didn't rank that program, uh, and I do know of people who they didn't rank, you know, one or two programs, and then they ended up soaping. For some people, the soap works out well. Occasionally, there's some, you know, really nice programs that have spots in soap, um, and they can get into those. Um, but other times, you know, like Cyrus said, you're making, you know, this decision that's going to affect four years of your life in like the span of half of a day, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, so, you know, I would kind of take that middle ground and say, you know, try to rank as many, but if you're gonna leave something off, just be prepared that, you know, there is this possibility you may have to soap. Um, so, you know, don't be surprised if that happens to you. I don't, I don't think it's likely to happen, but just don't be surprised if it does, because in theory it can. And also, Nima, just to add on to that, like, gr granted we are in a, you know, spot where we have a lower number of applications and um, you know people like you said before are successful in the soap but also when you go into the soap um, it's not just radiation oncology people yep. that are interested right you're going to get derm you're going to get neurosurgery you're going to get like a slew of other people that um, unfortunately did not match in their you know fields of their interest and are now competing with you to get a spot at whatever institution. And so that's a great point, Cyrus. That's such a good point. You know, like there might be only a few rat onks, but now you're competing against highly, you know, highly competitive other specialties that I know some of, you know, radiology all sometimes soaps into rat onk and, you know, people can find spots easily. And I would say the soap is a wild card. I mean, it is something that is very stressful. Like Nima said, like one phone call in your debate, you're deciding four years of your life. So trying to avoid that at all costs, I think is everyone's goal. But I do know people that have gone through the soap and have ended up really, really happy with where they are too. So like, it's not the end of the world if you have to soap, but it is pretty crazy. Um, so setting yourself up not to soap, but if you do have to soap, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. And one last part about that, um, even though, you know, I threw in that um, information about like you're going against like other people from other um, specialties like derm, neurosurgery, whatever. But from what I've realized is that, you know, even though, you know, these programs, they see people, you know, applicants in the soap and they might have like these crazy applications, it seems like the the, the still the purpose of going into the soap is to get people that are interested in radiation oncology at the end of the day. And so I know that I said that thing about, you know, you're going into a very competitive pool, but if your application was genuinely about radiation oncology, I think that you still have, you're still a cut above the rest um, mm -hmm. when it comes to your, you know, having an edge in the soap process. Yeah, for sure. Cause you know, there are times where, you know, for whatever reason, someone just ends up soaping, you know, whether it was the rank list or, you know, whatever, um, but, you know, I, I agree with what Cyrus said and from what I've, you know, heard of soap and stuff like that is genuinely they're trying to find people interested in radiation oncology. And so if you're one of those applicants that you applied Radonc, you have the Radonc rotation, you have the 
you know, research experience, whatever, you know, you're going to be viewed very favorably in SOAP because it's clear that you have an interest in radiation oncology. Some of these other people coming from maybe Durham neurosurgery, maybe they did a rotation in a radonc, maybe. Yeah. Um, a lot of them maybe haven't. So you're definitely going to be viewed favorably. Um, and so I think another topic that kind of falls into the how many programs I should rank um, is couples matching. So I know Alexis um, has some advice on that. Well, I didn't couples match myself, um, but one of my really good friends did, and they were, you know, really highly competitive. She was Durham and he was ortho. Um, and so it is like a whole another logarithm in itself and something that none of the three of us can really relate to. But I think like her advice was just like, do every single combination possible. And so like, you know, same city, like obviously same hospital, if you can, if not, then like same city, then like as close proximity as you can. And just like every single possibility, um, to do that so that you don't want to cut yourself short. So you don't want to like list less places for you to match. And then one of you match and one not match, but just like every single possibility you can, even if it's across the country, then at least you're both getting spots. So you don't want to like, you know, like not, not rank like just in the same city, because if you do that, then you're limiting yourself and it's possible that you both don't match. So do every single combination possible, obviously with starting with like closest together. Um, but good luck for that. I know it's tough. They actually ended up like three hours apart and they've made it through. So if you do, they're engaged now. Um, you know, if you do not end up in the same city, it's not the end of the world. Um, on match day, it might feel like, you know, your world is like falling apart, but it's doable residency. You have great friends and you can find time off. So, um, if you do rank together, that's amazing. And if you don't, you know, know that it's possible and it, and it can work. Yep. And that's what I've heard as well is really, especially if you're doing like competitive specialty plus competitive specialty, that can, that's one of the most challenging couples matches. If one of your specialties is less competitive, that maybe buys you some leeway. Um, but you definitely want to, you know, come up with all types of combinations. And I would definitely recommend, you know, speaking with your significant other, because there may be situations, right. Where, you know, that's maybe their number one program, but not your number one program. Right. So you definitely want to, you know, have those conversations um, early. And I think another thing is if, you know, you realize that you loved a program and that's going to be your number one and maybe your significant other doesn't have any interviews there. Like it's never too late. I would say like up until like February, it's never too late to reach out to like every program around there and be like, Hey, you know, I'm loving this program. My significant other is applying this. Is there any way you guys would mind interviewing them? And even if it's not the same exact like residency program, if it's, you know, close by same city nearby, like I would do everything and anything you can. And that's totally normal. Yep. So, um, moving on from couples matching, another thing that also comes up when creating your rank list is this thing called suicide matching. Um, for those of you who have not heard of that, Suicide matching is essentially where you only rank one program. What is everyone's thoughts on that? Never. <laughs> ah, it's so scary. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't recommend it at all. I also, I, I don't know the, you know, if you've, I guess if you only interviewed at one program, you don't have a choice. Um, so I guess not really a suicide. It's just, this is what I'm, my option. These are my options. But I do not recommend that at all. As a, as we said num a numerous amount of times, like the algorithm, you know, it 
there's a lot known about it. You know, we know, you know, the preference of the applicants take into account, but like you, even if a program tells you like, oh, we're ranking you number one, like things happen. Um, not to say, you know, programs are shady or anything like that, but you know, there's a, it's not just one person that makes these decisions. It's, it's usually a committee. And, you know, just because you know the chair or you know, you know, the, the program director and you have a good rapport with them, I do not think that suicide matching will ever work, will work in your benefit or in your favor. So I feel like we should tell like scary match stories right now. Um, <laughs> I would just say, like Cyrus said, like, you never know. I know multiple people um, that were like, literally got a text that was like, we're ranking you number one, you're coming here. And on match day, they opened their envelope and they did not go there. Like they were fully ready to move to a certain city, had like looked at houses and programs can be deceitful. This isn't in Radon, this is a different specialty. I would hope that our programs aren't like that. But I just like, it, it is something that that I wouldn't even go near of trusting that. The, the logarithm can glitch, I think. Um, anything can happen, you know, the list can change. I know like rank lists have changed. Um, so I would just say, like we talked about earlier, rank as many as you can where you feel comfortable going. Um, and if it's just one place where you truly think that you have to go, then that's your option to suicide match. Um, but good luck, right? Sure. Yeah. Good, good luck. That's I would good. agree. I would highly discourage this. I think it's something you hear more from you know, maybe like mid to late career faculty who they'll tell you their match story. And it was like, I just ranked one program. Yeah, that uh, don't, I don't think that's really realistic these days. Um, so I personally would, again, avoid if possible, you know, I just think it's, you know, a recipe for soap. And the only other uh, anecdote I kind of have to go along with this was back when I was matching, you know, they published those um, outcomes, charting outcomes in the match the next year. And so for my year, 2019, they actually showed that only one applicant, you know, didn't match. Um, and the person, because it's only one applicant, you can see their scores and their research and everything like that. On paper, it looks like a great candidate. So, you know, I would have to question whether that person, you know, really shot themselves in the foot with like a small rank list. Because um, someone with, with those kind of scores and stuff that didn't match, I think is kind of unusual. So it, it must have been something to do with the, a very short match list. Okay, so kind of we talked a lot about like ranking RADONC programs, um, but we all know RADONC is an advanced specialty. So you have to do a prelim and a TY position or a TY position uh, the year before. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts about um, ranking like prelims and TYs? So I think it's totally dependent. I feel like TYs and prelim years are really like location-based. So like I wanted to be in my prelim year where I was going to be for my Radonc year, but some people are different. They're like, I'd rather do my prelim or TY year, like by my med school and then move for Radonc. I only wanted to move once. Some people, like one of my good friends from med school is like, I want to go do a year, a fun year, and then move again and move twice. So I would say prelim and TY years are really just location-based. Um, you're just getting through the year. So like having like a prestigious TY or prelim year is probably not going to do much for you. I would just say, find a program that works for you, whatever, you know, we've talked about lists. What are your priorities for ranking? Um, what's your priority? Location, geography. This year is just a year to kind of push you to your limits, but 
once you're through, you're through, and then you get to start your real, real residency. So whatever works best for you would be my advice. Um, Cyrus, anything different? Yeah, I agree. Um, I was actually one of the ones who moved twice. Um, and I chose my prelim year based on like it was actually completely separate like I really treated it like two separate like interview processes so I didn't want a prelim where I felt like I was going to be like inundated with like crazy amount of work and like you know whatever it had a lot of like things that I, I thought about prior to ranking my prelim year so I kind of actually ranked them differently so that I did my prelim year actually at Dartmouth and then I did my categorical advocacy in University of Miami and I loved it like it was it was amazing like it's very isolated and so it was you know luckily we were I would say we were pretty isolated from COVID and I know that a lot of my like classmates who you know match into whatever specialty it didn't matter they were all on the floor they were all being pulled from their services um I was lucky in that I had a good relationship with the radiation oncology department at Dartmouth as well and so I did a rotation there um I went back often I interviewed there as well obviously um I went back there often and it was great I really you know it was it was definitely a success story for me yeah so I I think the kind of three options that both Cyrus and Alexis touched on are option one, right? You move, you pick your TY or your prelim close to where you're going to do radon, so you kind of move once. Option two is maybe stay close by to med school for the first year and then move um, when it comes time to do the radonc residency. That's what I did. Um, and then option three is uh, kind of what Cyrus did, right, where you go to one program for TY, that might be in one part of the country, and then you go somewhere else um, for RADONC. Again, there's no wrong answer here. Um, and then I think a lot of times when I talk to med students, one thing they get kind of hung up on is like this difference between prelim and TY. You know, sometimes depending on like where in the country you're applying, it's gonna be one or the other. Like some states flush with TY programs, like every hospital, is a TY program. Uh, that's how Michigan was. Um, other states, there are more prelim programs than there are TYs. Um, and really, I think the difference uh, when I when I think about it is really like a TYs usually have more opportunities for electives outside of medicine versus prelim programs tend to be if they have electives are very medicine um, focused. Um, but again, every program is different, and so like Alexis and Cyrus have said. You know, it's really up to you based on what you're looking for, what you want out of the year. You know, obviously we all would love to have like a really nice, comfortable year. Sometimes that just doesn't happen. You know, I was in that class that COVID hit in the middle of my TY year. So my schedule mid TY year got completely flipped upside down. I think it ended up being still a good experience. Um, but, you know, you kind of never know what's going to happen. And at the end of the day, I think really the goal of the prelim and the TY year is you kind of want to get a sense of like, okay, how does hospital medicine work? You know, what's, what does it mean to be an inpatient? And then, you know, identifying like what's a sick patient and what's not a sick patient, right? A lot of like the specifics about medicine, you might kind of lose or have to remind yourself as you get up in the years in Radonk. Um, but one thing that really stays with you is like, oh, that person's sick. I probably shouldn't treat, be treating them with radiation today. We should maybe hospitalize them. Um, you know, that I think that's one of the big takeaways uh, as a radiation oncologist. Yeah, I love that, Nima. I think prelim year and TY are so important. You're not going to use a lot of like the, you know, medical 
knowledge that you learn from it, but you will have so many big takeaways that, that you'll use for the rest of your career. So like getting through it, powering through it, but like now knowing how to navigate, like how to consult people is so important. And then, you know, teaching others what Radonk is during your prelim year, because they'll be consulting you for the next four. So like, I still talk to like my medicine friends, they've all graduated now, but like they used to consult me and, and, you know, then you know how to kind of navigate that world. So it's a lot of just learning residency your first year um, and then going from there. Yeah, you're going to be so um, well valued if you have to do like an oncology inpatient service, because when they get like the recommendation to consult Radonc, a lot of times they're like scratching their head, like, who is that? What do they do? And if you're going into Radonc, you can really fill in that insight for them. I remember once we had a patient that they needed to try to get her discharged uh, relatively soon for insurance reasons or something. Um, but she needed radiation. And so I told the team, I'm like, oh, we can do, we can just ask for like a sim and treat same day. And they were like, you can do that. That's a thing. Um, so you do have a lot of insight into Radonk and it can really help the team. So definitely don't be shy about, you know, educating people about what radiation is and how it works. Um, because, you know, now as a PGY4 resident, you know, I can tell that, you know, there's a lot of misinformation or misunderstanding out, out there about what we do. Um, and so, you know, hopefully as an intern, you can uh, impart some uh, kernels of wisdom that some of these in internal medicine people can take with them and then hopefully be nice to the radiation oncologists they work with in the future. Okay, so let's um, move on. So let's say, okay, you've done your rank list, you have a program that's at the top of your list. Um, should you notify that program that you've ranked them number one? I think that's a, a common question people uh, think of. I think it's, it's hard and it's totally up to you. I would say a couple of things to consider is most programs have already submitted their rank list. Um, so if it's comfort for you to tell someone that you've ranked them number one, then that's up to you. Uh, if you listen to our previous podcast about interviews, um, we kind of talked about this, like Radonk is a very, very small field. So if you are going to send like, Hey, Dr. So-and-so, I wanted to let you know I'm ranking number one, only send that to your truly number one program. Um, if you send like a kind of a vague email, like, Hey, I'm ranking you in my top and you send that to like a lot of programs, word is going to get around and that's not going to be a great look. But like for, I know for our at Oklahoma, like we submit our rank list after our last interview. So like, even if you were to email, you know, the PD and they may or may not respond, like, it's not going to change our rank list. That's just for you, I guess, to, to tell someone. Um, and in that sense too, if you do email them and then you don't get a response, like don't feel bad because per ACGME policy, like we talked about earlier is they're really not allowed to communicate with you. So like, if you email someone that they're, you're, they're your top um, and they don't respond, but, like they're just following policy there. Yeah. You could be their top too. <laughs> okay, so um, moving on. So uh, uh, we're kind of wrapping up here. So another thing, um, you know, match day this year is Friday, March 17th. So just to kind of outline for you guys kind of what that experience is like, really it's match week. It's not just a day. The first big day of the week is that Monday. Um, so I think that's like March 13th. Um, and so what's going to happen on that Monday is you'll get an email from the NRMP that'll basically tell you whether or not you've matched. And so the email kind of has different flavors to it. If you've matched to both your Radonk spot and your prelim TY spot, it'll just say like, congratulations, you've matched. 
if you rank, if you only matched into one of them, it'll kind of say, congratulations, you matched into this, um, but you but you do not have either like a prelim year or an advanced year. Um, and so then that's an indication that you're gonna have to go into SOAP. Um, most programs um, or schools have uh, different policies about you know, how they take care of the students who are undergoing SOAP. Um, from what I've seen, I've been at several places, you know, they're usually very supportive of medical students that have to go into SOAP. You know, it's very well understood that SOAP is very stressful. So if you're on a clinical rotation, you're automatically usually excused from like really all clinical responsibility for the rest of that week. Because um, the main thing, your main focus now is the SOAP. Um, so kind of listen to your deans about kind of what the SOAP procedure is. Usually it involves you kind of all meeting and like with a dean or two and going over the SOAP process and submitting the SOAP application. Um, and then usually the SOAP decisions kind of finalized by Wednesday and then Friday is when the match results come out and it's a really exciting day. So I think with that, maybe we should just wrap up uh, with some final thoughts. Um, Cyrus, Alexis, maybe give us, you know, uh, uh, tell us while we leave um, kind of how you felt uh, during match day. I think that's a nice thing to leave with. Cyrus, you go ahead. So uh, like the Monday or the Friday? Uh, or both, whichever one. So it was actually interesting. I stayed in bed on Monday and then it tells you like a certain time. I can't remember the time, but it tells you when it's going to come out. And so I rolled over, <laughs> I literally rolled over and I looked at my phone and it was like five minutes before the time that it was supposed to come out. And so it just popped up on my screen and I was just like, and so I was like, obviously I was elite. I was super happy, um, but I was surprised because I was like, you lied. Like you said 12 o'clock, it's 11.50, whatever. <laughs> so that happened. But then funniest thing that happened for match, like, I, so the Friday, finding out where, where we're going, I, it was all virtual, um, but I did not open any emails or anything like that because I had family coming into town. And so I wanted to wait and like, you know, celebrate with them and have a very, you know, momentous occasion and all of that so it was like four, maybe like three o'clock or four o'clock my co-resident my aunt calls me and so we had been close like throughout the entire trail we interviewed at like five or six places together we hung out on the interview trail like it was it was great and then we obviously kept in contact with each other so he calls me and he goes dude are you my co-resident and I was like what now at this point I had a few glasses of wine and champagne so I didn't really process everything and so I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, he was like, did you open up your match? And I was just like, no, I'm waiting for my family to come. And he, his face got so red. He was like, oh, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, I'll, you know, I'll call you back later. Like, text me. And I was like, okay, cool. Lo and behold, we had a match together. And he, he didn't realize that, like, I didn't, he thought that he had ruined it for me, but I honestly didn't even, <laughs> I didn't register at that moment. So it was still a great day. Um, I opened my email and found, you know, what will happen is that, You'll receive the email from, I guess, NRMP, and then usually the programs will interview, will email you saying, "Congratulations, we're happy that you're here," um, and you'll be bombarded by emails from, you know, both of your programs. So that's was my story. That's pretty much what happened. Wow, Cyrus, that's amazing. I give you props for having the self control to not open that email. 
yeah yeah it was it was I mean I was kind of just like well I, I was going somewhere I knew that you know I was I was pretty confident that I was going to go somewhere you know highly in my rank list and so I was just like whatever happens here like I was just open to it so it was a, I, I embraced it and I had a great time I was like the very anxious girl on Monday that was like refreshing her email you know like every 10 seconds to see if I got that you matched email my match day was in person so our whole med school was like in a big room and we all had envelopes and our families were around us and we opened our envelope um that showed us where we went so that was really neat um I loved match day it was awesome I think you know Alexis that was literally the week sorry Alexis that was the week that the world shut down I know that's crazy. I hate that for you because Matt Show is so cool opening envelopes. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, like Alexis, mine was in person. I remember Monday was the most stressful day for me. I think, like, from a rat on perspective, I, w- I felt comfortable like I was going to match. From like a TY uh, prelim perspective, I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to get a program I like. Um, but once I got that email Monday, and oh, and I was like, doing ICU rotation that month. Uh, so I remember like waiting until like later in the day and I like went off to the atrium of the ICU by myself, just had a little quiet moment, checked my email, saw that I matched. So then that really brought down my stress level. Um, and then come Friday, you know, I, like Alexis, I did the whole envelope thing. That was really exciting. Um, we had a couple people in my class who they opened their envelopes in front of people like without looking at it first. I personally couldn't do that. I'd be like too nervous, um, but it's really cool. A lot of places do like a map um, and everyone puts like a little pin where they're going to end up. Um, so it's a yeah, really- Yeah, we did that. It's so fun. Yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time. Um, you know, it's, you know, one of the last things you're going to do outside of graduation in medical school. Um, and it's a really great time. And so I hope everyone's able to get back in person and do it this year. And I would say like, if your match day, you know, like it's all up in the air. You don't know if you're going to be on your one or your 12 or your 15 and everything will work out. Um, you know, not everyone's the happiest on match day, but you will be happy wherever you go. Um, make your own niche, find, find your people. Um, and I would say like, that's my advice. Like be true to yourself when you make your rank list. Don't think about anyone else. Don't look at SDN. Don't think about your friends or who's talking about what program, like really be true to yourself and you will be happy. That, that's my advice. Great. So um, with that, let's kind of wrap it up. I want to thank Cyrus and Alexis for joining us today and uh, bookending our podcast series on the Radonk interview process and the match process. Um, if you're interested in learning more about ACRO and the ACRO resident committee, you can find us on Twitter at, at ACRO resident. Um, in terms of other resources, when it comes to the match process, um, another thing that's going to be coming up, I know later this month in January, we're going to have the um, ARS Rocket webinar where they're going to be having some PGY2s and PGY3s um, available on WebEx for you to give match advice. Um, so with that, uh, we'll wrap up and you know, you know where to find us at Acro Resident. We'll see you guys.